I believe in making the possible or the impossible possible. Information security person out there, if I made a mistake by accident or on purpose, I still can't get access to it. It is incredibly secure. And that is what is coming up on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. So stay tuned. Now, here are two powerful words to change your life. What if? What if you do have what it takes? What if you can design your life? What if your crazy dreams do come true? You are here because you have a dream. You have a fire in your belly. You want to change the world and you want to lead the charge in the post socially distant era. The big question is this, how can ambitious people like us build our dream lives? This podcast gives you the answers. We have created the perfect community of the world's best minds who want to get things done. Survive and thrive in this uncertain world. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. I'm your host Manoj Agarwal and today we have a very special guest, Melissa Sassi. So Melissa is the global head of IBM HyperProtect Accelerator, which is focused on empowering early stage startups through technology and business acceleration. Before IBM, uh, Melissa spent several years in Microsoft's Airband initiative where she was an internet and energy access impact investor. Melissa is also the founder and CEO of Mentor Nations, a youth-led digital skills movement that has taught tens of thousands of young people to code across 12 countries. Uh, Melissa is the chair of IEEE's Digital Intelligence Initiative and a founding member of the Coalition for Digital Intelligence with the WEF, OECD, IEEE, and DQ Institute, which are all acronyms for very successful and very notable organizations. She holds board positions with Tacmil, a nonprofit organization with 30 informal schools in rural Pakistan, and TechWomen.Asia, an Afghanistan based nonprofit organization focused on tech skill building for young Afghani women. Melissa is working towards her PhD, where her research is focused on the digital inclusion of unserved communities. Melissa has given over 100 talks at United Nations events educational summits, tech conferences, and keynotes in topics such as digital inclusion, women in tech, community building, youth empowerment, imposter syndrome, mentorship, and personal branding. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you very much. And I actually have great news. I have expanded my responsibilities at IBM. So I'm not only a startup boss, but I am also responsible for student experience within our IBM Z division of IBM. So my whole life revolves around working with young people, working with students to inspire them and empower them with technical skills and early stage startups to help them build and and scale so that's yeah amazing. that's amazing congratulations um that so i would love to know a little bit about your journey i mean you've had a tremendous journey a lot of success but i know you've uh, you know you you've had uh, a lot of challenges along the way as well so whatever you can share uh, how did you even get started in the tech field and uh, your experience at microsoft and now at ibm yeah sure um you know i I was one of those people who, you know, went to work, did my thing, got my paycheck and, you know, my job didn't fire me up. I see. You know, I I mean, I did it because I had to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I really wanted this career and this life where I woke up and I felt fired up to go to work. Like Mm -hmm. I felt you know, uh, emotionally driven to do yeah, it, yeah. you know, for like some greater cause or, mm-hmm. or good. And, you know, I, I was good at my job and I, you know, kind of liked what I was doing. It was, it was impactful and interesting, um, but it didn't fire me up every day. Mm-hmm. And I started to think about where did I want to go and who did I want to be and, you know, what might help me get there. And I was working in marketing in an operations role. I uh, was responsible for the creative agency relationships globally at Microsoft, one of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, and, you know, I, I managed our celebrity talent. I managed our Hollywood directors. And 
you think about that and like, wait a second, why didn't that fire you up? Like, yeah, that sounds yeah. really cool, you know, uh -huh. like working with Hollywood and, yeah. you know, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And I, I wanted to, you know, make more of a social impact. And in my role, I watched us tell stories about people making social impacts mm -hmm. in their, their lives and for the people yeah. around them. And I felt like I was the operations engine of someone else's story yeah, and yeah. someone else's life. And I thought, you know, what is my thing? What is my superpower? Yeah. And I realized that I didn't know, you know, and I started to explore what I really like to do. And I, I thought I like education. I like learning. I like empowering people with new skills. Um, I like the tech world. Um, I like empowering women and girls and, and young people. And I, I like, you know, startup ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And I, I made this little like list of the things that I like. And then I compared that to my job. And I realized like all those things that I really like, like none of it had anything to do with my actual job. Uh -huh. And I was very thankful and I still am. Um, I had this, uh, I had this mentor at Microsoft who um, was the um, head of, uh, of brand strategy. Uh -huh. And she's now the head of brand strategy at Google. And Susan said to me, you know, um, let's do a map of what are you good at? you know, what, what fires you up yeah, and then yeah. let's try to map those to some, you know, kind of departments, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and what I mean by departments is departments both at Microsoft and then thinking about, you know, functions that that might be in other yeah. companies, because mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking about leaving Microsoft. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, wanted to be fired up in the morning. And if I could mm -hmm. stay at Microsoft, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I started to do informationals after I identified those things that I liked. And I realized that there were a number of different teams that I could go and work in. There was a developer advocacy team, you know, uh, and I realized that, well, I don't code and they wanted people who knew how to code. And so how could I be a developer advocate if I don't know how to code? So that was kind of, you know, that kind of took that off the list. And I thought I'm never going to be a developer advocate because I don't code, you know, and I felt like, you know, I, I felt like they thought I was silly. Like, what are you doing here? You're not a developer. Like, how are you going to be a developer advocate? What are you talking yeah, about? Get out of here, clown. Uh -huh. And, you know, I had some informationals with the education team. And it was kind of like, well, what experience do you have in education? I'm like, well, I am like a lifelong student. You know, I'm working mm -hmm. on my PhD. I have two masters. I've spent my entire life being educated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but what what education experience do you have? And I'm like, oh, I got nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so you know, good conversations, but it didn't really go anywhere. And I talked to the philanthropies organization and they're like, well, what social impact experience do you have? Um, you know, I've been a volunteer. I, I didn't have anything, you know? And so I, I didn't get very far. Nobody wanted to look at my resume. They were nice to me and they talked yeah. to me, but it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And so I realized that my, my pathway to doing that, you know, would be volunteering and taking on stretch assignments with team members inside of Microsoft. Yeah, cool. And so I um, connected with an organization called Moving Worlds that focuses on social entrepreneurship and empowering um, people who you know might have spare time, people who are on business trips and traveling to far corners of the earth and have a few days to spare during their business trips. Mm -hmm. And we created a, um, a volunteer opportunity uh, in Tunisia and another one in Egypt. And so I went and I worked with social enterprises. I worked with nonprofits. I worked on education. I worked on tech for good, all in a volunteer capacity, but I got experience, things that I could put on my resume, you know, um, real practical stuff. Yeah. And I started volunteering um, for the IEEE and working on their internet inclusion initiative because I, I started to become very interested in digital inclusion after seeing that my daughter didn't have access to tech in her classroom. Wow. So fast forward a little bit, I um, participate in this hackathon at Microsoft. Now keep in mind, I'm not a developer, I'm not an engineer. Yeah, yeah. And I'd always thought that only developers and engineers could participate in hackathons. And what I learned is that's not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, 
just like tech companies need all different kinds of um, of people, you know, to help run their business, whether okay, that's, okay. you know, marketing or HR or legal or program management or project management or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that my daughter didn't have access to tech in her classroom and I saw all the devices that, you know, Microsoft was giving out to its PC recycle program, I thought, huh, what if we were to put those devices into the hands of nonprofits and enable... Yeah you know, Satya and his team yeah. and all of the Microsoft employees from around the world to empower young people through those devices and load it with content, load it with software and, you know, create a volunteer engagement um, or a series of volunteer engagements where people would volunteer to load the computers with software. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. at Microsoft, they have a program where in the U.S. for every hour you spend volunteering for a nonprofit, um, you track it in the system and Microsoft gives that nonprofit $25. Wow. And so I thought that might be a really cool way to raise money for nonprofits yeah, through yeah. volunteerism, give them devices. And also, you know, if we did coding camps or that sort of thing, that would also be counted toward volunteerism. Yeah. yeah. You know, I ended up winning. Our team grew to about 50, 60 different people from around oh the world. Um, we won amazing. first place in the Inspired Me category worldwide. Yeah. I had an opportunity to meet Satya Nadella. I pitched to Satya Nadella and ended up uh, rolling out the uh, first uh, device giving program in the world uh, that was turned into a worldwide policy that's now owned by their philanthropies organization. I am a hidden figure. Um, you will never see my name written about, you know, mm. when it comes to where did this idea come from? Mm. How did it come about? Why does it exist? And it taught me a lot about, you know, myself, about how do you create your personal brand? How do you manage your personal brand? But how do you use volunteerism and a hackathon to land that next big job? Yeah. So fast forward a little bit. One of the teams that I was volunteering with had a job opening. Oh. And so I applied for it and I'd already been volunteering with them for six months. So they knew yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went through the volunteer or went through the um, application process and I got the job. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, being able to, you know, sit sit there across the table saying, well, yeah. I'm really passionate about this, but yeah. I don't have experience. Yeah, yeah. I could actually say after, you know, <clears throat> let's say eight months of volunteering yeah. and getting experience that I landed a social impact job that was very different than what I was doing before. And while I was in that job, I started to explore how could I move into a developer advocacy role? How could I bring digital skills to people without? And we'll talk more about how I actually mm -hmm. became a developer advocate later, but I've mm -hmm. talked enough about my journey into tech. That, that's kind of where, where it you came know, from, really. One of the things I really uh, take away, and uh, I hope people uh, take away from this, is like a lot of people are frustrated in their jobs, or, or, or you know, no, frustration may be a big word, but um, maybe they're not as satisfied. But I think uh, you took the initiative, you actually followed through, you actually found out uh, what is it that you can do. I mean, there are so many people who find problems and say, oh, this is not for me, I can't move forward. But I think I really like your uh, style of actually figuring out, okay, you know, what is it that I can do? And then going after that and, and finding your own path. So that is amazing uh, and good for you. You, you, you did that. And uh, I hope people get inspired by that. But yeah, I mean, I would love to know about, uh, you know, um, how do you even find, find that passion to help other people? Because especially, you know, with the level of success that you have achieved, most people are so driven by their own, success by their own, yeah. uh, you know, uh, how far they can go in a, in a large company like Microsoft. How, how did you develop that passion of helping others? That's unique. So for, for me, it stems from uh, something that's deeply personal and, um, you know, something that I, I sometimes call taking my worst nightmare and turning it into my superpower. Mm -hmm. So um, about 14 years ago, my children and I became victims of parental kidnapping. Oh. And I know that sounds, um, you know, like everyone's worst nightmare. 
it yeah. is everyone's worst well, nightmare. Well, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, my worst nightmare is is a reality. Um, mm -hmm. My kids are safe and they're healthy and they're normal adjusted children, but they don't live with me and I never got them back mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Uh, I know where they are. Uh, I see them as much as I can, despite, you know, COVID, um, you know, being a little hard on the mm -hmm. on the travel side of things. Um, but one day my daughter said to me, and this was when I was still at Microsoft, she said, mommy, mommy, I'm learning Microsoft. And I'm like, what do you mean you're learning Microsoft? And I, that's her accent. And I, I realized that um, she was learning Office, Microsoft Office, Word exactly is what she was learning. And she didn't have access to her own computer. Mm -hmm. And there were like 30, 40 kids in the classroom, you know, sharing that device old laptop at the front, a projector. And we know that this exists everywhere yeah, yeah. across course, the planet. Yeah, yeah. This is not something unique for where they live, which is yeah. Tunisia. So sandwiched yeah. in between uh, Algeria and um, Libya. And I, I knew that there were many things that I couldn't impact in her life and in their lives. But I knew I work at one of the tech biggest tech companies on the planet. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. anybody can get devices into a classroom, it's me. And I had no idea how I was going to do it. Yeah. So I set on on this mission to bring uh, devices into our classroom. And instead of just buying all of the computers, I thought, how can I get a big tech company to care? And what does it take for a big tech company to care? And so I started researching what might be that carrot. And I started realizing that, you know, there are certain things that, you know, would make people care. And I started path packaging that up until I got to the point of, um, you know, being able to understand where devices were, how I could get them, and how I could put them into the hands of um, of young people in Tunisia. We ended up sending, uh, in a collaboration between Microsoft and HP, we sent 400 laptops to 20 schools, and it was um, just really inspiring for me to see. Um, empowering for me to see this, you know, mom who wanted a device for her kid in her classroom. Yeah. My, my kids have devices at their yeah. house, you know, yeah. but I, I thought, how can any young person um, be prepared for the future of work and thrive and yeah. make meaningful use of the internet if they don't have access to the basic building block of what it means to yeah. be successful today uh -huh. at work, health-wise, you know, we need access to yeah, technology. Course, yeah, we course. need digital skills. <clears throat> yeah. And so I um, started that. And then that kind of led to me getting very passionate about digital skill building. And that led to me creating um, my own company there, where we now have taught tens of thousands of young people to code in 12 countries. Wow. And it kind of created a bit of a career shift again for me that moved me further and moved me further, moved me or farther, moved me closer to, you know, what I, what I wanted to do and what I talked about when I sat down with Susan that day and said, I like developer advocacy. I like tech. I like, um, digital skill building. I like startups. I like, education and young people and women and girls. And I'm happy to say that, um, I now have my dream job. Awesome, that's great. And once again, you know, this is this is a really good demonstration of, uh, you know, not letting anything come in the way because of most people, uh, especially such a such a you know a personal thing that that when they go through something like that, and even you know everybody has challenges in their lives. Most people will will take it and um, sort of you know take a step back and say, okay, this is not for me. But I think. One thing I appreciate about you is, as you said, like taking the the nightmare and turning into a superpower and finding the ways. Yeah. So um, that's quite inspiring. I, I like to make the impossible possible. Yeah, and that's yeah. something that I I kind of use as my motto. I, I have a few kind of little sayings that I like. I think one of them is that I believe in making the possible or the impossible possible. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I, I think the other saying that I like to have I like to use is about being an and and not an or meaning yeah. you don't have to choose between being an entrepreneur and an mm -hmm. intrapreneur meaning yeah. someone in innovating inside of someone else's company yeah, you yeah. can do both yeah that's you shouldn't have and i'm not saying you should break any non-compete or yeah. whatever kind of 
you know, moon, moonlighting agreements you have in place with your employer. But I think the days of even having this concept that moonlighting is bad is, yeah. you know, is, you know, inaccurate. I think yeah. you can be an author, you can be a speaker, you can be an academic, an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, a CEO, you can be yeah. all of these things at the same time. You don't need to choose between this or that. And that's what I mean by being an and and not an or. Yeah, that, that's very well said. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, especially these days when, um, you know, digitization has taken a sudden leap, uh, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, things which were supposed to take a decade, that, that happened within a matter of weeks. Uh, due to the due to the you know experience with the pandemic that we are going through, so it's even more uh, more important these days for people to adopt technology and and be in touch with each other. You and, have to, yeah. and and it's a scary time for many people because I think now um, you know without being able to walk into the classroom in many places around the world, and that's especially an issue for the 48% of the world who lacks mm -hmm. access to the internet. And that's the number, 48%. Yeah, yeah. And so that means young people are out of school. That means that if you don't have access to the internet, yeah. you're not getting access to the healthcare information you require, the e-government services mm -hmm. that might be available. Um, you're not able to work from home. So it, it's really caused, I think, this big shift in our all of our lives. But mm -hmm. I think it's also um, a kind of determining factor when it comes to are you a have yeah. or are you a have not? And yeah. I think it's causing a greater yeah. a greater divide, you know, in the in the world. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely absolutely true. And then. You know, not not to even mention the the social impact and the personal impact that uh, you know that is, this is having. You know, your initiative uh, providing access to the internet, access to technology. A kid who is not uh, in the classroom, they you know, an empty mind is only going to think of uh, you know non-productive ways to live their life. That's, and, that's true. Um, yeah. One of the things that, um, you know, really inspired me to um, create my nonprofit um, mentor nations, um, which is the organization that I meant that I mm -hmm. mentioned, part of that was to inspire my kids, but also to deter young people from violent extremism. Yeah. Because if you are, you know, approached to make a certain bad decision. And if you don't feel like you have a future or yeah. a place, or you feel like you don't matter and that you don't have control over the outcomes in your life, you know, somebody approaches you to make a bad decision and you're more apt to do it. But if you have access to education and jobs or the opportunity to create your own job because you have practical skills, yeah. you're going to be less likely to engage in violent extremism or make bad decisions because yeah. you've got a future. You've got a future that matters and yeah. future you matters. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, I mean, Internet uh, provides access to information. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, you can get in touch with people from other parts of the world, and you, when you when you know other people, you you immediately find out that you know everybody's the same. I mean, uh, most people have the same aspirations for their family, for their future, and uh, nobody's actually out there to get them. Um, so I, I think that that's an amazing, amazing thing to to provide internet and technology to these uh, these uh, kids, and. Uh, taking it further now, like how did you, uh, how how are you doing that in IBM? How are you uh, pushing yeah. that cause forward in IBM? Yeah. So when I first joined IBM, I was responsible for um, creating a startup program, which I did. I did that last year. It's called the IBM HyperProtect Accelerator, um, and it was my my vision, my strategy, my ideas. Um, I, when I first joined IBM, it was like, bring 15 startups onto our platform. Good mm -hmm. luck. We'll see you if you have questions. And I was yeah. like, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, so I spent a lot of time researching and thinking and talking about things until I, you know, was able to create the accelerator. And that was, you know, 
the means, you know, for us to bring 15 startups onto our platform. Mm-hmm. Um, we recruited 15 startups last year from, um, I think eight countries, six or eight countries, the number's escaping me now. This year we added um, 30 startups. So I have 45 startups in my portfolio. Um, that's FinTech, Health Tech and InsureTech. Um, startups that are less than a million in revenue and less than five years old. Um, and then my uh, GM, uh, my, you know, who's a, you know, that's a pretty senior role at, yeah, at yeah. IBM. You've got one yeah. person in between you and the CEO, Arvin. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I want to see a hundred startups in our program by the end of next year. So oh, I'll nice. have a hundred startups by the end of next year. Um, I went big recently a few months ago because mm-hmm. i'm very passionate about students and technology skill building yeah. i had in my free time been running coding camps and hackathons and doing talks and helping the team to achieve our goals and i was rocking it you know i was i yeah. was a developer advocate i was I doing the thing without mm-hmm. having that developer advocacy job title mm-hmm. and i i'm at this event uh, that I was running and I recognized that we weren't necessarily thinking about the different, what I'll call student personas mm-hmm. or the different kinds of audiences that we needed to reach. And I felt like we were only reaching one specific audience, but not nurturing others to become that audience, if you I will. See, I see, I see. You know, we were nurturing our fans, but we weren't nurturing new audiences or people who you know, might not yeah. think tech is for, yeah, yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. And I went out of turn, I shared a bunch of ideas and strategies. And, um, and when I say I went out of turn, I skipped over my boss. I skipped <laughs> over my boss's boss and I went straight to my boss's boss's boss. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wow. texted her and I said, <laughs> I have some ideas. I'd like to share them with you. It's a little bit of good, bad, and ugly. Uh-huh is there a safe space for me to break the hierarchy mm-hmm. and share these with you? Mm-hmm. Wow. She said, let's meet on Friday. <laughs> That's so I, I created an entire strategy, a campaign mm-hmm. um, of what we could do, what we should do, what we could reach, how much money I needed to do it. On Monday, she gave me more money than I had asked for. Wow. And she reorged our entire team. So, I, I now, um, again, have, you know, not just the purview over the entrepreneur segment of our, of our company within mm-hmm. my division, but, but student. And so I moved from having conversations at, in my last role of, you know, or my last company, um, yeah, yeah. how can you be a developer advocate? You're not a developer yeah, yeah. to now I'm a developer advocate and I own an entire you know, portfolio of mm-hmm. audiences from student to entrepreneur, working with chief technical officers, working with developers. I just know when my skis get too far out in front of me yeah, yeah, yeah. and when I need to bring somebody else in. Um, but I have unique skill sets that other people don't have. Other people have unique skill sets that I don't have. And so we blend ourselves together and make us into a super employee. That's great. Let's take a quick break for an important message from the Bootstrapping Your Dreams community. Get the support and insights you need for your business and life. Join our community, which is fueled by the same people who advise the world's top leaders and champions. Stay ahead of the curve. Join us now by navigating to bootstrapping.group. Before we go further, I want to talk about this uh... This fancy title that uh, that you have, and that there's a, right? yeah, yeah, because I have worked with IBM, I have worked with Microsoft. I know how protective they are about these things. So, so that's an interesting story I'd like to share with the audience. So, can yeah. you tell us how did you? What is your title at IBM? How did you even come up with that? Yeah, so I am the chief penguin of IBM Z. Mm-hmm. And how that came about is when I was working at Microsoft, um, one of my good friends. Um, she had this job title, the, the chief ninja cat, yeah. chief ninja cat. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. I want to do that. And, you know, I was working in a team that was much more conservative than her team. And there was like no way I could call myself the chief ninja cat or any other animal. You know, mm-hmm. my job title was my job title, you know, yeah. Yeah. and I had like 
you know, a sandbox that I had to stay in. My yeah. job was interesting, but I had a sandbox and I had to stay yeah. in my sandbox. You know, I could color outside of the lines a little bit, but not too much. Yeah. And um, then I met this guy with this Twitter handle called Threddy the T-Rex. And he had these dinosaurs and he was doing all these cool things at Microsoft with dinosaurs. I'm like, man, we've got a ninja cat. We got a dinosaur. I got nothing, you know, yeah. uh, ended up leaving. Um, Microsoft, not because I wasn't the Ninja Cat or the yeah. T-Rex, because I got a rad, awesome yeah, job yeah. At, yeah. At, at IBM. And mm -hmm. um, I, I was in Pakistan. I was in Karachi, Pakistan for work. And I met this woman named Jihan Ara. Mm -hmm. And Jihan has this um, incubator, accelerator in um, Karachi called The Nest IO. It's funded mm -hmm. by Google. Mm -hmm. And her job title is the big bird. And I'm like, man, I got a bird. I got a ninja cat. I got a T-Rex. You know, I got nothing. I'm like, I, you know what? I am coming up with a job title. I am, I'm going to figure it out. Now I got to figure out what animal I want. And so I started thinking about things a little bit. And I started thinking about how IBM, you know, purchased Red Hat. Red Hat is uh, known for open source technology and the yeah. penguin is tied to open source. Yeah. So I thought that's my animal title. And then I was thinking about queen and king and I don't know. Then it, it went to, no, no, it's chief. Uh -huh. um, so <laughs> I started putting, uh, putting it on my, you know, signature line. I started putting it in different, you know, in my Twitter, you know, mm -hmm. uh, bio and my LinkedIn bio. And, and then I, I was running this hackathon and um, the UN uh, wrote an article and in UN News, and it made mm -hmm. the homepage of UN News. It was yeah. this really big hackathon that I did mm -hmm. in collaboration with UNESCO called Code the Curve. That was mm -hmm. all about using technology and data science to fight back against COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And they wrote this article, and in there they called me IBM Z's chief penguin. Wow. So I was like, man, you know what? <laughs> the UN called me the chief penguin. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And so now, yeah. you know, whenever anybody introduces me they always introduce me as the chief penguin, even my boss, you know, when she's filling out like yeah, a, yeah. like a, you know, a speaker yeah, bio yeah. thing and mm -hmm. she has to put my job title. Like everybody puts chief penguin. Yeah. Nice. I got one more for you. I even uh, changed it in our corporate directory, you know, like <laughs> when you're an employee, you have yeah, a directory yeah, yeah, of the yeah. names and employees and stuff. I went in there and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, nothing can stop you, I guess. Yeah, um, the possible is possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk about startups a little bit uh, first. So what kind of, what do you do with startups? How do you pick them? And um, I mean, wh what is your role in this uh, in this accelerator? Yeah, so um, we focus on fintech, health tech, and insure tech, uh, companies mm -hmm. with high levels of sensitive information, so personally identifiable information, mm -hmm. healthcare records at the individual level, yeah, financial yeah, yeah. records, um, insurance records, you know, the kind yeah. of stuff that you want to make sure that you're yeah, yeah. protecting with the greatest sense of data protection, privacy, and security. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I go through this recruiting process um, that kicks off in April. Mm -hmm. um, I work with an accelerator um, called Village Capital. Um, startups get one year of business mentorship. So it's like investment readiness, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And then two years of technical mentorship, which happens through, you know, my cloud solution architect, or I should say mm -hmm. my chief technical penguin, because mm -hmm. that's his job title, yeah. <laughs> yeah, technical penguin. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, really great guy, super knowledgeable when it comes to cloud uh, architecture. Um, we help the startups to um, really onboard into the IBM ecosystem. They gain access to a product called IBM Cloud HyperProtect Services. That's all about putting your data into secure enclaves. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really kind of, I don't know, the Fort Knox yeah, yeah. of technology, if you will, you know, the Fort Knox of data protection, privacy, and security. That's like, awesome. you, you know, you're not breaking into it because you're working yeah, off yeah. of, um, you know, uh, a machine that's so, so secure, you know, and it's got uptime of 99% and then a gazillion nines after yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, we help them with their cloud journey. We help them with their future state architecture. Um, we think about how can we enable them to utilize really interesting products like, you know, Watson or, you know, 
AI, machine yeah, learning, yeah, yeah. Um, blockchain, whatever's relevant for that particular that particular startup. And our whole mission is how do we bring them into our ecosystem? How do we help them to build and scale? How do we go to market together? How do we um, really think about going into business as you know collaborators, as partners, um, versus it being um, a vendor relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to be their cloud vendor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I want to, I want to go to business together. Um, you know, and I want to get startups before there's something, before they're big, before yeah, they've, yeah. you know, become, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. it is that they're going to become. And we know that 80 to 90% of startups fail. Yeah. Um, but it is my hope that, you know, many of our startups succeed. One of my startups just landed um, 3.5 million in, uh, in or 4.5, something like that. I can't remember the number, but about $4 million in, um, in funding that just got announced last week. Wow. Um, they also won a grant from uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Really exciting. You know, I've got just some real cool news that's yeah, happening. Yeah. That's you know, amazing. with many of our startups and we'll see what's going to happen with this cohort. I'm still getting yeah. to know them yeah. and, you know, we added 30. So that's a, you know, that's 45 yeah. startups. Yeah. It's really yeah. hard to figure out yeah. like, who's yeah. doing what. Um, that's but, amazing. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, uh, um, like I, as I said, like I've worked with, uh, I have collaborated and worked with IBM on a number of projects. And I mean, some of the technologies like IBM Watson, uh, Hyperledger, I mean, they are really, really cutting edge technologies um, that, uh, as far as I know, there, there's a little competition out there from even giants like Amazon and Microsoft. Yeah, so absolutely. I think that, um, you know, from a cloud computing perspective, you've got Azure, you've got AWS, you've got GCP, um, you know, we've got IBM's cloud. I think what, what makes this program special is that, you know, that product that I mentioned, it's not something that's going to be relevant for everyone, but yeah. your, you know, with the other cloud providers, your cloud administrators have access to your keys. We yeah. do not, yeah. you know, when it's running on our Linux one machines, which again is all about data protection, privacy, and security. Mm -hmm. And we give, we give out $120,000 in cloud credits to our startup. So that part's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I think the real dif differentiator is one, that product, because your data is protected in these secure enclaves. Mm -hmm. So even if I wanted to get access to it, I, mm -hmm. I, I can't. Mm -hmm. Even if a nefarious character sends me this really clever yeah. email and let's say I'm the smartest, you know, information security person out there, if I made a mistake by accident or on purpose, I still can't get access to it. It is incredibly secure. Yeah you know, from an encryption standpoint that sets itself apart. So I think that's one thing. But again, you know, if you're not dealing with sensitive data, you might not, you, you might not care about having the yeah. Fort Knox. But yeah. I believe that there is a fundamental disconnect between um, the regulatory requirements in many countries from around the world and the ability for companies to take our data without our knowledge and do things with it that we have no idea. Yeah. And I also feel that many companies are also making decisions purely based on cost that is not looking at the, um, you know, uh, let's say priorities of the customer. Mm -hmm. You know, how many of us go and demand for a certain level of encryption or security like most of us, who do we talk to? What do yeah, you do? Course, course, yeah, do you yeah. even know where your data is going? Yeah. You know, we've have these things called data, you know, data privacy passports that, you know, kind of essentially allow you to control your data, mm. but not a lot of companies. Um, I shouldn't say not a lot of companies in certain industries, they're not necessarily paying attention to the technology that's best yeah. in class yeah. for protecting yeah. your your data course, and what do you course. do as a consumer yeah, yeah yeah no i mean i've i've uh, dealt with a lot of security issues in my uh, uh, adventures with technology and i think um, overall i think the the key here is that most of the executives are not really up to speed on all the technical matters that's right and i think that's why you know technologists need to need to improve upon their ability to speak human yeah you know right. um I think that 
I think that there are often disconnects between business and technology and how do you take deeply technical terms and make them relevant and human and meaningful so that when a um when a business leader needs to make a certain decision yeah. he truly understands the trade-offs of um of doing that yeah you know, yeah. The truth. You know the truth. if you're if you're allowing, you know, if you're managing your business based on policy instead of technology, that's a, you know, that's a problem, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah, of course. Policy needs to be informed uh, with, with facts. So that's for sure. And you touch upon this, this cool, um, uh, this cool uh, acronym, like the human, human side of things. And, uh, you know, you're dealing with 45 startups, you're hosting events like there is no tomorrow. I mean, I go through your uh, social media feed, the, you know, there's like every single day, there are like tons of events you're hosting. How do you do all this? Like, how do you manage all this uh, and still stay sane? It's hard. And I will tell you, um, you know, I'm stretching my t myself too thin right now. Mm you know, right now is the most I've ever worked in my entire life and it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I know that, um, I'm kind of finishing up a few things that I need to do until the, um, the 17th of, of January. And after the 17th of January, I am going to take a two week vacation. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I'm going to turn off. Nobody's bothering. Actually, I shouldn't say the 17th after the 18th. Because uh, uh, I, <laughs> I had an, I have an event on the 18th. Um, after the 18th, um, I'm going to take vacation. I'm going to go to the beach. I am going to relax. I'm going to turn off my devices, and I'm not going to be available um, yes. for a couple weeks. Um, but I, I'm, you know, in reality, I have a wonderful team um, who helps to empower me, inspire me, take some of the load off of my shoulders. But I do have too much on my shoulders yeah. right now. And right now I am overdoing it. I am stretched too thin and everyone is worried I'm going to burn out. <laughs> you know? um, and I'm worried I'm going to burn out too. Um, so I know that I've got to push very hard to achieve some year-end goals for work. And um, I've got some things that I need to do for work by the 17th. And then, uh, and then I'm going to go on vacation and then I can sit back and kind of strategize a little bit and, yeah. you know, cut down on the number of events that, that I'm doing. I think, you know, when you go big to propose a new idea and it's game changing and yeah. it's different, when you share that idea, you're, if, if your boss says yes, when you yeah. share that idea, like who's going to implement it? Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, that's right? right, that's right, yeah. And so I kind of created a bit of my own, you know, I don't know, my own dog food. I'm now eating my own dog food. Um, wow. So it's kind of a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in the sense of I pitched an idea and I landed it. Mm -hmm. And then now I have to execute it knowing that it's a pretty cool idea. So now yeah. I got to do it. So there you go. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always inspired by the, the, the passion that you put into your work. And um, uh, obviously, we are going to help uh, in certain way to, um, to release some of that pressure. And I'm, I'm really glad you're uh, plan planning that vacation. I think I need to do the same for myself. Yeah. Uh, but before that, let's talk about this, this event that, um, that is happening. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. How did it come about? And what is so special about that event? Um, so I guess the question is, we have, I have, I have a lot of events that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So tell me, which one do you want to talk about? Well, I, I think the one that we are working on okay, together. Good. That I really... <laughs> I that's what you were going to say. Yeah, well, yeah. The reason I mentioned that is I just had a big event yesterday with, um, that had thousands of registrations to it. And, you know, today I just shared a blog about, about that event. So I've been thinking about that. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm really, really excited for um, our collaboration. I'm already excited. It's, it's been really wonderful so far. Um, so the event, as you know, which many of you who are watching may not know, it's called the human code, mm -hmm. the human code. And if we think about it, how many of you hear the word computer science and think, you know, some of you are like, oh, I love computer science and they're out there coding and they've got a you know, bunch of monitors, you know. Mm -hmm. Others are thinking, I'm not a techie. 
Yeah. Or I'm yeah. not technical. Or no, I, I, I couldn't figure that out. It's hard. Yeah. The human code is about inspiring new people to discover unique pathways into tech, non-traditional pathways into tech. Wow. It's about bringing the arts together with that scary thing called computer science to not make it so scary so that it can be seen as um, something approachable, something that um, is like learning another language. Because I believe that the way that computer science has been taught has been fundamentally wrong. Mm. I believe that it should be taught like an art. I believe it is an art. I yeah. also believe that it should be taught like a language. And yeah. when I tell you that computer science is really just another language, people are like, really? Yeah. 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 It's just another language. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's like learning French. Okay. A little bit different, but you're, you're using the language of computers and there are many languages of computers to instruct and advise and tell that computer what to do. Yeah. So at this event, we're going to talk about and demonstrate in a really interactive and an experiential way, the connection between tech and the arts. So we're going to dive into music. We are going to take song lyrics and we're going to use a machine learning model running on IBM Z. So wow. my crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we're going to evolve those song lyrics into something new and unique and different. And use it as a tool for artists, for songwriters nice. Nice. to create song lyrics. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a jam session with those song lyrics. Um, Frank Zappa's son, Amit, mm -hmm. is, uh, is joining us. So for those wow. of you who um, are fans of music, that may be a, a name you know. I've got some other people we're in discussions with. It hasn't landed 100% yet, so I will hold off and from telling you, you know, who specifically we're talking to um, there. We are going to dance with a um, celebrity uh, Bollywood choreographer and dancer, Terrence Lewis. And I'm mm -hmm. really excited about that. So for anyone who is a Bollywood fan, we are going to dance with Terrence Lewis. And what we're going to do is we are going to talk about the tie between choreography, dance, and computational thinking. Wow. It's going to be fun. Oh, he's going to code too. <laughs> he's going to code. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He I, may I not can... be a good coder, but he's going to yeah, do yeah. it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, very much looking forward to it. I can code uh, very well. I cannot dance at all. So I'm really looking forward to how, how this is going to come together. I know. Me too. Um, we're going to do spoken word poetry mm -hmm. and we are going to, um, we are going to bring the poem to life on oh. your screen and through spoken word. Nice. So that's going to be interesting. We are also going to talk about how you can tell your story, your coding story. Nice. What inspired you to learn about tech? What would you like to build? What would you like to create? What would you like to do? What would you like to make? And how would you like to transform the world through nice. technology? So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very, very exciting. So how, uh, who is this for? Where are we hosting it? And how can they, how can so people online, find out? It'll be yeah. online. It's it'll be free. It'll be virtual. Um, so come sing with us. Come dance with us. Come code with us. Come create with us. Come change the world with us. That's January awesome. 9th, January 9th, we um, are still kind of firming up a few details. So um, we're not ready for you to register yet. So use this as your teaser to get ready to dance code. Be inspired. That's amazing. Find a career path and really sing and dance and have a good time with us. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll drop a link uh, to the Facebook group that we have set up for anybody who wants to join, uh, you know, especially people who are looking for, uh, you know, to, to find out what's next in their life. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty going on right now with the, uh, you know, uh, the institutions shut down and, and a lot of a lot of sort of changes happening. So I think this is a really good opportunity for people to come together, look at um, look at this um, look at this career option uh, in a fun way, in a in a non sort of uh, you know threatening way, and um, 
in a more fun way. So uh, yeah, my team will be a lot of fun. Yeah, Most people yeah. have fun at my events. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm told that I put on a pretty good event. Uh -huh. um, and I'll give you an example. We had an event yesterday. We had a dog fashion show. Wow. <laughs> uh -huh. We had a dog fashion show. We had a dog who was dressed up like Santa, like a big puffy yeah, or a little yeah. puffy dog with Santa costume on. And then I had a sequin scarf that matched my dog. Wow. Oh, yeah. I saw that photo on, on Facebook. Yeah. And that last event that we did, um, me and my 16-year-old mentor led it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have a 16-year-old mentor. Nice, nice, nice. That's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the the whole experience of organizing it with IBM and you know working with you, it's it's uh, it's been an amazing journey so far. And I hope um, you know people take advantage of this. It's amazing that IBM is providing all this information for absolutely no cost, and people get to experience uh, these these huge names and uh, huge celebrities and have fun with them, one on one interaction with them. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, if you have never saw yourself as someone, you know, who is technical and you want to come and, you know, learn a few things, we're going to do a hands-on coding camp for beginners. And if you know nothing about computer science at all, and it sounds scary and it sounds frightening and it sounds like it's not for you, Join us and check it out. You know, yeah. what do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. Yeah. Plus, you might get to have a good time when we do our dance off. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Great. Thank you so much. Um, that's all for now. Until next time. If you want to realize your full potential, I invite you to join our community. We support and help each other out because no one has to do it alone. Join us today by navigating to bootstrapping.group. The community is free to join no strings attached except for one you have to take action so if you are an action taker we want to talk to you join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group if you want more insightful interviews with industry leaders then check out these other videos we have picked for you right here and subscribe now to get our new content